Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about another great podcast, The Mina Kimes Show, featuring Lenny. She'll have full draft reaction next week and then team-by-team previews all summer to get you ready for next season. That's The Mina Kimes Show, featuring Lenny. Listen wherever you're listening to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is Foxworth Friday. Dominique Foxworth, what's going on? Man, that's the day that we had to have. We're going to record it later, make sure we get the draft stuff in. It's just so much. I feel like I'm wasting valuable time just talking, man. It's, yep. it's just a lot to get to. Hey, yo, I'm not even going to lie. Uh, Dominique had some outing to go play golf this morning. The last night after Lamar the draft, I sent him a text that said, and I quote, man, golf. And it turned <laughs> out the universe felt the same way because they canceled the golf. And I was like, hey, call Spencer, let him know Dominique's back in the game because Lamar Jackson signed the contract. Don't get me wrong. We got the draft stuff to talk about. Like we pushed back our record because we didn't think it'd be right to come out here and not talk about the draft. And I remember I told somebody, I was like, you know, it's also possible that something happens with Lamar given that the draft has happened. And then, boom, Lamar got his contract. Um, I'm a little reluctant to say Lamar got his money because from the reports, it sure sounds like the contract that he got is very similar to the one that was being offered to him about a year ago when he went out there and played with all that risk. But it's done, right? I do think there's a fair argument that people make that, well, maybe he extracted some measure of leverage, and that's why they went and got Odell Beckham and, like, turns the things around. But is it going to be like nothing ever happened? And drafted Zay Flowers? Yeah, it's going to be like nothing ever happened. I guarantee you it's going to be like nothing ever happened. He's going to come out there. But the Ravens fans cheered Ray Rice. <laughs> well, I mean, with the fans, I figured yeah. it would be like nothing ever yeah. happened. I'm thinking about with the bosses. Nah, I think the same thing. They all know that they are married now, and they all know that their fates are intertwined. I don't think it's going to be any beef, and it appears as if not only did they uh, sign Odell Beckham, they went and got Zay Flowers. We went from being able to legitimately complain about Lamar's weapons to being like, hey, brother, they done gave you <laughs> Odell. They got you new offensive coordinator. They drafted a first-round quarterback, and um, Bateman is a number one receiver if he can stay he- healthy. And we ain't even got to Andrews. Or, or uh, J.K. Dobbins. So, Lamar, you got the money, you got the players, you got the coordinator. They are a legitimate Super Bowl contender now. Yeah, it's officially no excuses territory. Also, yeah, right? we, are, we are in that territory for Lamar, and he's a special player that a lot of people have been trying to put him in no excuses territory for a while, and now he's finally there. Yeah, I, I just always feel like, and you and I have talked about this many times, that the part that people don't get is, just because he's fast doesn't mean he can't do the other stuff. And all the cliches about quote-unquote pocket passing and everything else, none of that's ever really stood up to scrutiny from the people who do the film stuff. It never has. Well, now, you got the players. You're right, Dobbins is going to be back, H-Time. Very important thing, because, okay, now you got the running game. What else we got? Like, if Ronnie Stanley can stop getting hurt, yeah, the party's on. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we I've talked about this a bunch of times. This is one of the things like we all get the draft right and wrong. The Lamar Jackson thing was one of the things I got right. And I thought because when I watched him, I like everybody else saw the highlights. And was like, oh, it's Michael Vick out here. And then I sat down and watched him. It was like, no, this guy, 
like he does not want to scramble out of the pocket. He's comfortable there. He he obviously reads NFL level offenses. The accuracy was an issue. I remember watching his bowl game and just being so angry. Like, God, man, throw it to the guy. Like, I want you to be the man. Just throw it to the guy. He wide open. But I remember going into that draft, I said that he had a chance. Or I said he was the best quarterback in this draft. But the real question was, is the NFL ready for a player like that? The Ravens were. He was the MVP in two years. You could argue now that he may not be the best quarterback in that draft because Josh Allen took his time figuring out what, what he could do. And, yeah, if you give me the choice between one of those two guys in a big game, it would take me a minute. I might end up on Josh because of what I've seen him do in um, those situations. But the fact of the matter is there's no reason why Lamar Jackson couldn't have turned into the quarterback that he has, and there's no reason why he can't become even better going forward. I think some of the limitations on his success in the pocket, some of it is based on him because he has those accuracy games. I went to one, I remember, with my son to Brown, the Browns game, I think it was last year, where I was like, all right, Lamar, yo guys got on the black helmets. <laughs> 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 throw, it, throw it at them. But I also have seen games where he's picking people apart. So we'll see how it goes this year with the new offense. I do think that he has the capability to take another step. That That MVP year was something different. That was something different. I don't know if we're going to see that again, but like just uh, his ability to pass and his control and his command of the game has never been a problem for him or decision-making never been a problem for him. It's just always been like consistent accuracy. Right. And that's, I mean, it's the thing that people feel like you can't teach, but then again, counterpoint Josh Allen, right? Which and Jalen Hurts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'd say these things can't happen from time to time. And I don't know what exactly it is with Jackson. You, of course, you hope that he comes back healthy. That's the big thing. Because the health is the health has been the real issue the last couple of years. Like we right. can try to itemize this into these individual traits, whatever it is. But when he's been healthy, that's fair. They've been really good. I think they're what eight and three by the that's time fair. he got hurt last year. You know, if he stays healthy, it'll be a thing. Now, let me talk about this pressure cooker though that the AFC is gonna be. Because I saw somebody put together their own list specifically on this. I'm gonna go through the quarterbacks in the AFC, and I'm even going to bring up some of them that ain't even necessarily that good anymore just to make the point, right? Uh, uh, uh. Josh Allen, Tua, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Joe Burrow, um, Trevor Lawrence, Russell Wilson, who I do feel like you still got to throw in here for salary reasons, right? Herbert. Yeah, Patrick Holmes and and Justin Herbert. At most, at most, six of those guys are going to make the playoffs. I didn't count how many dudes I said, but I know damn well it's more than six. <laughs> you go over to the NFC and you got Jalen Hurts and you already at Dak Prescott. Right. Like you're at Jalen Hurts. Like remembering, of course, that the Pro Bowl quarterbacks last year in the NFC were Jalen Hurts, Geno Smith, and Kirk Cousins. I don't know who wound up coming after everybody said they didn't want to go no more. But those were the Pro Bowl quarterbacks in the NFC last year. The AFC, I just can't imagine the pressure in this world where everybody think a quarterback win or lose the game. Like I always say, the thing about like your top five MCs is that it's only five. Yeah. The thing, yeah, they... And then you put on top of it, we have quite possibly the best quarterback we've ever seen in yes. the AFC. So it's not even just that there's a lot of really good ones. You got some great ones out there. And one that might be the greatest. And uh, I think to be fair to Lamar, to take it back to him to, just for a second, is as you are listing those guys, if for whatever reason I fall into this trap too, where we focus on Lamar's shortcomings, ain't nobody perfect. 
all the people that we name have have issues that they have not been able to fully address. So the fact that Lamar's issues are ones that we focus on, I think, is because we're not accustomed to having a player like Lamar. I thought of that when you brought up the fact that last two seasons, the real shortcoming was that he wasn't on the field. Right. When he's on the field, they nasty. Every play ain't perfect. But neither is every play for uh, Patrick Mahomes. And you got to understand that. But, yeah, this AFC is going to be a pressure cooker is the word for it. Hold on. The only two guys that we listed that I would confidently say right now, oh, he's better than Lamar Jackson are Mahomes and Allen. Yeah. I'm not confidently saying that with Justin Herbert. Can you imagine if Lamar Jackson was the quarterback with that lead they blew against Jacksonville last year in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine what the discussion would be? You No. Like, the yeah. only two that I'm – like, Burrow? I'm not certain. Yeah. Like, it's a discussion. I'm not yeah. going to wave you off if you've got Burrow. But – and this is no knock to Joe Burrow. Hey, man, he real good at throwing that ball to Jamar Chase. <laughs> yeah, He real good at throwing that ball to T. T. Higgins. Yeah. You know, like, I, I I feel like I'd be, I mean, I wouldn't be that good at it, but I feel yeah. like Lamar would. Yeah, I mean, you know, they say sometimes every now and then people are like, man, I could complete one pass in the NFL and we all laugh at him. I don't know. <laughs> if you could, If you could stay on your feet for two seconds and throw it up in Jamar's direction, yeah. Yeah, if you could get it to him, yeah, you yes. might throw a touchdown pass in the NFL. So, yeah, that's, that's fair to say. I think they're an interesting team going forward, but this is a whole nother podcast. I won't derail us, but they're at that point where we remember the Patriots being there where, oh, we got to make some decisions about what we're going to turn this offense into or where the, the Chiefs were there a couple years ago. We got to make some decisions of what we're going to turn this offense into. They're going to have to make some decisions. Yeah. I mean, look, man, what nobody rooting harder for the Ravens in these negotiations than Mike Brown, uh, the <laughs> owner of the Cincinnati Bengals. Wasn't nobody rooting harder for the Eagles in these negotiations than Mike Brown of uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, because for those of you who don't know, Mike Brown is the cheapest man on earth, right? Yeah. And so when people are like, it's Philly guarantee thing, oh, wait till you see what happens with Burrow and Herbert. I'm like, it might happen with Herbert. Mm-hmm. It ain't happening with Burrow. Like it, it ain't happening with Herbert either because those guys ain't exactly out here making it rain either. But I was like, no, nah, don't you worry. Mike Brown, the man who had, remember when Andre Smith came out in the, in the holdup? I think that, was that your draft, the Andre Smith draft? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, but the whole, no, it wasn't because that's, uh, no, this is, wait, sorry. I'm thinking yeah. about the complete wrong year. My bad. <laughs> um, but that was the Darius Hayward Bay. That's the uh, Maryland uh, guy I was thinking of. Yeah. But the reason that Andre Smith holdout took place was Al Davis overpaid for Darius Hayward Bay, mm-hmm. and Andre Smith was the pick before him, and Mike Brown was like, what that got to do with me? <laughs> Riddle me that, dog. What that got to do with me? Uh, oh, gosh. The, the negotiations, man, and I guess this ties into Lamar a little bit, too, because he didn't have an agent, and we haven't seen all the details of the contract, but it seemed like it ain't matter that much. He got the money at the end of the day. But the question for Joe Burrow or the because I don't think that it changes everything, the holdout idea to get fully guaranteed contract, the fact that Lamar signed one. I think these contracts are in isolation in some ways in that the value of the players is so big that if a player was like, no, no, there is a team that's going to pay it. It ain't going to be Mike Brown, though, because Mike Brown gonna be like, I ain't got it. (laughs) and when he says i ain't got it he ain't making it up yeah it's a whole different story where like i don't know you try to play hard to get you you break up with somebody you're like all right i i ain't gonna text them for the next couple days you ain't got (laughs) nobody else to text 
your, your fingers get real itchy. Mike Brown, he ain't gonna have nobody else to text to get that money. So Joe Burrow gonna have to go ahead and, and take that franchise tag or take whatever's on the table. Y'all, like a thing about businesses, and I, you know, for people who don't really like get in the weeds about like accounting and everything else, a very important thing really is how much cash yeah. do you have? Like money on hand. And so cash is really in a lot of ways the delineating factor on how rich these dudes are. Like how Brian and I talk about this a lot. If you're going to buy an NFL team, and I know it's the case for a baseball team. I'm pretty sure it's the same for an NFL team. You got to be 30% liquid mm, of the mm, sale mm. price. Mm. Okay. So whoever's going to buy the commandos, you got to have $2.2 billion cash, homie. <laughs> cash straight cash homie sir right Duh. just laying over there in savings you have to have 2.2 billion dollars by the same token when you sign these dudes you got to have the money in cash now the pa has made the argument that they want to try to get rid of that provision because the money is just so big in football that everybody's going to eventually have the money to which i say oh about that but that's where it is so if you're going to guarantee whatever this contract is you gotta have this money in cash when jimmy Haslam gave that 230 guaranteed to deshaun watson they had to write a check for 230 million dollars and put it in escrow mm -hmm. mike brown just owns the Bengals. Yeah. that's it like they finally got naming rights on the stadium in part for the day that this would happen, the day that this would come, so you would have the cash on hand. He gonna have to sell a piece. That <laughs> <laughs> man gonna have to sell a piece of that franchise uh, in order to to guarantee a quarter billion. He gonna have to, yeah, he gonna have to bring on some more ownership groups or something. But yeah, it's the difference between being like, yeah, liquid cash and and having it tied up in assets. And so, like, you you can move like stocks and bonds and stuff you can move those quickly it ain't as easy to move some real estate or to move a, a nfl franchise or a portion of nfl franchise yes. so i i'm with you with the pa and far as as far as like it ends up being a a negotiating leverage point that teams have is like man we can't guarantee that because we don't even got it and they are genuine but also we assume <laughs> we assume that everybody gonna get paid, but nah. These these businesses are not, and I don't mean any disrespect, but they are not hugely successful because the individual operators are <laughs> are um are uh savvy. They are hugely successful because they exist in a legal cartel. Yes, you know, like it's not like the Premier League where if you stink and you can't manage your business well, you're going to go ahead and drop down? No, these guys can't drop down. So there could be someone up there, and there has been evidence that there are people up there running teams who make really bad choices. Yes. Hold on. Not just a cartel. A cartel that sell ice cream. <laughs> oh, it's so delicious. It's you so know? <laughs> delicious. Ice cream with some Coke sprinkled in it. Like, this Because I've been someone who, like, and you and I both like recognize how unfair the draft is and propose like abolishing the draft. And I've also been someone like, I ain't going to watch this, man. It's just them calling out names. But God damn, if it ain't exciting to start extrapolating out what's going to happen with these names. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training. Just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. 
Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. Yo, I can't lie. I've never been a person that was like super into the draft like that, right? Like I still I still miss the two-day draft where you just did it on Saturday. And I was just like, where are we as a society? How backwards are we that we got to stretch this out three days into a primetime event? Like I'll be honest with you, sticking around, spending your Friday night watching the second round, not a good look at all, right? So I had a talk on Thursday night at um, UPenn in Philadelphia. So we are actually recording Foxworth Friday on Friday, which we rarely do. So I did this talk at UPenn. I get on the cellar to come back. I'm not really trying to watch the draft on the phone. All I need to know is who the picks are, right? So mm-hmm. I see a pick, go do some other stuff, come back, pull the screen down, come back. So at first I had done it and it was just um, the first pick, right? Bryce Young. We knew what that was going to be. My homie Kirk sends me a text and was like, says something about the Texans. And I was like, yo, did they take Levis? And he goes, no, they took um, Anderson at three, but I'm not thinking, right? Then I'm like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. They took Anderson at three. And then I go back and I look and I see they took CJ Stroud at two. And I was like, they got y'all again. Every, <laughs> I was always wondering. I was talking to Spencer about this uh, a couple days before the draft. And I was like, so uh, who hit the waitress button on the Will Levis stock <laughs> that drove him up to this number two? Somebody put it on Reddit that he might go number two. Then he had these crazy odds about going number one. I was like, oh, yeah. I knew that white was going to kick in <laughs> at some part, at some point, and people were going to drive this thing up. And then after everybody saying C.J. Stroud got a bad attitude, C.J. Stroud disrespected the Mannings, all these things that came up about C.J. Stroud, the Texans are like, dude, we're not even this stupid. Come on, buddy. Come, <laughs> come, come, come on down and let's do this. Meanwhile, Will Levis still sitting in there like, hey, it ain't over till it's over. Damn, that sucks, man. Poor Will. I mean, you called the Richardson and the Richardson climb and the Levis drop. You called that before it feel like before the college football season even started. So like just just being around the draft enough, you have become a real analyst. You ain't had to watch the tape or nothing. You ain't even had to see the scenes. You're like, you know what? This super athlete, he gonna find a way to the top of draft. You know what? This guy gonna drop, but they gonna tell us he good. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. God, I felt sick for for Will, man. I fell asleep right, it, and woke back up, and he was still there looking sad. Dog, it, 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 and yo, the way I felt for him was the last pick of the first round was the Chiefs. And I just imagined him being like, hey, guys, you never know. You never know. You never know, right? Or hoping that somebody would jump up like they did for like Teddy Bridgewater or um, Lamar Jackson. Because the thing is, and this to me is the, the bad, bad side for Will Levis in this. The reason to jump up to that last pick in the first round and get that dude at the fifth year option. So if you've got a good quarterback, 
you can now, if first round pick, you can take a fifth year option on their contract. You can't mm-hmm. do that with the second round pick, which is why it made sense for Baltimore to go up to 32 and get Lamar Jackson. Nobody wanted to even get the fifth year option on a dude that has all the physical tools and everything else. And while his senior year, he wasn't as good. Let him tell it the junior year, the film was looking all right. Mm-hmm. Ain't no telling where this hey, goes from here. I just imagine that scenario where you're talking about. And I just assume that his mom and his girlfriend or whoever was there, they had already taken their shoes off. They took their shoes off yep. around pick 18. <laughs> so I just imagine them gathering their shoes and purses. He putting his coat back on. And they look up, oh, Kansas City, oh, let's get on up out of here. Yep. (laughs) They call it an agent. Like, is any movement happening? Like, that sucks. Yo, that's where the agent, when Will goes to the bathroom, gets mom and girlfriend over, and it's like, all right, let me explain to you what's going on, right? Like, the doctor that has to break the diagnosis down, right? Like, Let me tell you a little story. So I'm old enough to be drafted in the old days of the draft where it was two days. And so I was on a Saturday, uh, first, second, third round of Saturday and the um, rest of the rounds on Sunday. So, of course, I'm good player, all American type player, all conference. I think I'm going. I, I don't think I'm going to first round, but second round, third round, of course. So we had people over. We got hats in the house ready for me to put one on, waiting for that call for the general manager. I went when I go number 97 and if you understand basic <laughs> mathematics <laughs> 97 is after three rounds but goddamn, I love them compensatories compensatory picks so I went on the first day but we was milling around the house trying to have us a little good time and the mood of the party is real get real real sour but then my name got called and we could all turn up well, i'm imagining you play the cool play the cool playing it less cool playing it less cool why you calling me <laughs> no no i don't know what's going on i'm in here with y'all <laughs> yeah it was uh it ended up being fun because you know like the the euphoria of like getting that close to the brink made it feel a lot better than uh, I would have imagined. But boy, if I'd have had to, like, just imagine it standing at the door, watching people leave, like, oh yeah, I appreciate y'all coming. Yeah, tomorrow, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tomorrow. And I'm, I'm going to make them pay. I'm going to show them. I'm going to show, because now Will Levis got to do that whole foolishness. He's like, I'm going to make them all pay. He got to do that. Well, the one I felt the worst for was Geo Smith. And the reason was he had been through so much hell through the process like it was going the opposite direction of will levis well levis was like roundly considered the fourth best quarterback and then you had people talking themselves into it and like uh kuiper was all big on him and stuff like that and then it went back the other way Geno smith we came into that draft he is the best quarterback in this draft we had seen that dude throw for like 11 touchdown passes in that one game we had seen him have that crazy bowl game against clemson the year before like and he was there, and it was his chance for vindication after being called stupid, basically, and lazy by the dude that wrote that crazy uh, Pro Football Weekly draft profile. By the way, fun fact, when Pro Football Weekly finally let that guy go, who gave him a job? John Gruden. But anyway, and so you saw with Gino, he had that look on his face, and then they didn't take him, right? It took that man literally nine years to recover in some total from that day to get to the where he is right now with Levis. I'm looking at everybody like, yo, Joe Thomas had the right idea. And Joe Thomas knew he was going in the fifth 
they get first top five picks yeah. of the draft. You know what he did? He went fishing. Yep. He <laughs> went another, fishing during the draft. Come back and find out. There's another lineman who who did the same thing this year. I mean, there's always a couple guys who who do the right thing, but that moment has to be really cool. And I, if I'm Will Levis, like I'm going in the first round. Like I, I don't blame him. I would have gone too. Yeah. Going in the first round, but damn, that's well also imagine, they don't ask you to come unless they think you go in somewhere right. around the first round. Like they go ask around and stuff like that, but they don't they don't want you on camera going through all of this. Because one thing I've also noticed that they don't seem to do nearly as much in the draft is the guy at home that's falling. Yeah. No, nah, they're not showing him, you know, See, all I, stressed out. Yeah, I disagree with you. I, I mean, I think they probably aren't looking for it. But one thing about the draft, why I have to admit that it's interesting now, is they've done a better job of keeping the pick secret. I'm shocked. Yeah. Every year since they moved it to primetime, there is something that's surprising. And also, I don't think that they, as powerful as the NFL is, they could keep guys out from getting embarrassed. I don't think they care that much. I do think if they put a camera in your house, there's an understanding like, oh, we ain't going to do you like that because somebody will knock yeah. that goddamn camera over. Yeah, but well, in the green room, then you are fair oh, game. Oh, for yeah, yeah. So I say green room's a little different, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but the cats at the crib, yeah. We not we not doing that nearly as much as we did where you just see the guy pacing around, you know, with all of those things. Yeah. We not we don't seem I, to be playing that game. I think, right? I think some I think somebody camera equipment got smashed because that's what <laughs> I'd have, I'd have done. I mean, I turned it off. Uh, you got some camera up in here and and um just show me looking like a damn fool as I slide down the draft. Oh nah. Who did yeah. they do that to? They did it to somebody in their home. I can't remember. It was a couple of years ago. Somebody, I feel like it was a quarterback, was in their home looking real stressed. Well, well, the ultimate is when they put them cameras in Drew Pearson's house thinking he was about to get into the Hall of Fame. Mm. And he was right. He was like, y'all did all this just to do me like this? Like it never dawned on him that they would put a camera in his house unless he was going to the Hall of Fame. At that time, <laughs> he did not. And he was hot. Hot. It's like it's like the um, LeBron decision. Like, yep. you know, you, you know, the answer. So, so like, let's set this up so we can succeed. Like at the Hall of Fame, the draft, you can be like, all right, well, we don't exactly know. We got yeah. a feeling. But the Hall of Fame, somebody know the answer. Y'all need to tell me before y'all set all this up in my house. My whole boy Terry was covering the decision because he worked uh, local news in Cleveland at the time. You know, he's out there at the bars. And that was a wild night because I was hearing the people in the background, like just screaming, man. LeBron like they was doing the whole nine right but he said somebody wherever it was when the decision came down was like you put us on national television just to kick us in the nuts like that's how it feels when you send the cameras it's that Maury Povich when he's not the father like you already knew why you bring me on here to to get an answer that you had an idea of already right hey I tell you this though for Levis the person Levis need to be mad at is that Nick Casario? Oh, yeah. And look, apparently, D'Amico Ryans learned something from Kyle Shanahan because we just went through this yep. two years ago. It was exactly. different two years ago because it was the long play, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if Kyle did it himself. Chris Sims, who, if you do not know, has his initials tattooed on Kyle Shanahan's ankle and vice versa. I'm not making that up. It's the truth. Anyway, when they made that trade to get Trey Lance, uh, to get the pick that became Trey Lance, the number three pick, Sims made a reasonable statement, which was you do that to get a quarterback that's ready to play, and the quarterback that'll be ready to play, that'll be available at three, 
was Mac Jones, except all of us had seen Mac Jones play before, and none of us thought that he was the number three pick in the draft, or at the very least, did not think he was the number three pick in the draft that you traded three first-round picks to go get. And we're like, yo, this can't be it. But everybody jumped on board, right? A, it's Shanahan. He must be a genius. And two, (laughs) like, yeah, there's one more white dude left. This seems about right. And you saw everybody talk themselves into stuff that was contrary to every evaluation that everybody had. And then the draft came around. And what do you know? Trey Lance goes. Now, you can have your own argument about how good Trey Lance will or will not be. But nothing that Mac Jones has done in New England, I think, has made San Francisco regret the fact that they took Trey Lance. Right? Like, I mean, nothing has happened in New England. Like, he's not that guy. It hasn't happened. This time. We talked ourselves out of C.J. Stroud, whom we had seen play, whom we had seen be a beast, whom the last time we saw play wrecked shop against a defense that's so good that the Eagles are trying to complete the set and draft <laughs> every single player in the front seven that Georgia had, right? They are oh not making gosh. this complex. Uh-uh. We we haven't even got to the Eagles and how they just are. Oh, it's terrifying. Least it's in terrifying. the whole league. And yeah. why, before we get to the Eagles and how scary that is, Something just hit me. There's going to be some rule changes in the NFL. They're going to do something. And you may be looking at me like I'm crazy, but wait till I explain something to you. Then you're going to be like, yep, they about to fix this. Who's the best quarterback in football? Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. Who's the two highest paid players in all the league? Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts. Uh Who are the first three quarterbacks drafted in this draft? Black dudes. Yep, something, something, something's oh, going down. We got a rule change coming down hey, the hey, pike. Hey, guys, as crazy as you think this is, I'll never forget the first time I saw Harry Edwards, I saw Harry Edwards speak, and he was talking about the quarterback situation. And when Vic, Culpepper, you know, that run of dudes started coming, what they did was they started making those punitive roughing the passer penalties where if you just touch the guy on the helmet, that you got 15 yards because they had to slow up those defensive backs. Guys, it's turning into a problem when can't nobody even talk themselves into Will Levis, right? Like something has fundamentally changed. And so you might be listening to this and thinking that Dominique is arguing that the NFL is just flat out, I hate black people racist. No, it's a different type of racism. It's because they think that you Yes. I hate black people type of races. They know that the stars of this entertainment property are the quarterbacks. That is who the people who are three degrees of removed from you, who is a super fan. They don't know nobody but four or five quarterback names. And you know what they believe? The same way the NBA is probably concerned about all these international players. They know that the stars that sell consistently or that they have known to sell consistently are tall white dudes. The secret sauce for viewership is white. That's the unspoken part of the rise of the popularity in women's college basketball. Yeah. They ain't just still got white girls. They cold. <laughs> Something so you can root for. They need to go down to the lower levels. And I don't know if it's baseball. I don't know if it's soccer. I don't know what these cold white dude athletes are playing but they need to get them to start playing quarterback so that we can get some more Josh Allens and Joe yes. Herbert. Uh, Joe Herbert. I'm combining Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Need to get some more of them in the league because if we get to a situation where it's a bunch of Lamar Jacksons and Jalen Hurts to face the league, 
the NFL is going to be concerned, not because they care who their labor is. It's because they think that's y'all. Yo, who the they go, they gonna get so desperate. Somebody gonna try to get Mike Trout to convert. You know what I'm saying? Like they gonna be like, "Hey, man, why'd exactly. you why'd you come down to it?" But I just love though with Stroud, we the people fell for it again, right? Like it worked again, and so the Texans then got Stroud. Uh, and the argument was they didn't want Stroud because Mulgetta represents him, and I'm like, "Nah, that ain't that's not how this is gonna go." Like that's that's not. That's not that's not good. Mulgetta did not call the to cause the Texans problems. In fact, no. I don't even know what Deshaun Watson really they caused Mulgetta more problems. Like Mulgetta might have not wanted him to go there, but the Texans, no, they were gonna make that move. And then I don't understand what they did with that trade for Will. Like they I like when I looked up at what all they gave up in this trade to get the number three pick to draft Will Anderson. Okay, so. They did the pick swap this year, right? So to move up to three, they gave up 12. They also gave up 33 this year, which is for all intents and purposes, a first round pick. The first round this year only had 31 picks rather than 32. So this is basically like the first pick in the second round, which might as well be a first round pick. Um, First round pick next year. And I expect the Texans are going to stink. So that's probably going to be a high pick. Third round pick next year. I expect the Texans are going to stink. So that's probably going to be a good pick. All that for a guy that I'm not sure is as good as advertised. I mean, and Will Anderson. Yes. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, he's he's not uh, – he's probably the best at that position in the draft. But sometimes they're just – like, last year there wasn't no quarterbacks in the draft. Um, he is not Miles Garrett, which if you are drafting a, a edge player, if you're trading away a bunch of stuff to draft an edge player, I'm going to need to be like, yeah – I'm looking at somebody who has the who has Bosa potential, has Garrett potential. I don't think he has that. He's gonna be good. He might find his way into a Pro Bowl or two, but he's not gonna be uh, the guy that I think you can build your whole defense around, it, or that's worth all that trading away. And of course, we all are wrong plenty of times. I might be wrong, but either way, that's not a gamble that I'm willing to take. If he fell to me, that's a different story. That would have been a huge package to get Lamar Jackson. Yeah, like that's that's. I, I could not believe it. Then you also got Anthony Richardson wound up going to the Colts, which will be interesting to me because, like, we're still in the first generation of black quarterbacking. And the reason I mentioned that is, if, as far as I can tell, that's going to be the first time that the Colts have had a black quarterback truly on purpose. Yeah. Like, I would not count Jacoby Brissett as, we did this on purpose. Like this was a bridge thing. We kind of need to hold it down. Andrew Luck retired on us, you know, all of that. This is the build around for a guy that's probably going to come with some growing pains. And unfortunately they're probably going to try to play this year because I don't know who else plays for them. They're definitely going to play him this year. And the most interesting part about this is that they went and got Shane Steichen. And that's what makes this, that's what should give Colts fans more confidence than anything. And that's what should give them more patience than anything. Shane Steichen, for those who don't know, was offensive coordinator with the Eagles. And Jalen Hurts set out the first year pretty much and built on that. And then they put him in and he was like, all right, we're going to build around this running game. It gave him time to like keep the offense afloat while he got better at other stuff. And so they got players out there. They got some athletic tight ends and some players out there to help them. And they got Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. So combining him and Jonathan Taylor, 
they they could be competitive in games. And that's the scary part. They could be competitive in games offensively just because they run in a college style offense because they got two monsters in the backfield. Yeah. Now, uh, speaking of monsters in the backfield, as we go through this first round, tell you right now, the number one pick in your fantasy draft need to be B. John Robinson. And the reason I'm saying this is not simply because he's the best running back prospect to me, at least since Ty Gurley, and probably before because Ty Gurley was coming in off of an ACL tear. I knew when people were like, oh, you don't take a running back first round. What about taking a running back at this place and da-da-da? I was like, okay, this one is different. And what I kept telling people was, be very afraid that he goes to Philadelphia. Like that to me was the most terrifying part, that the mm-hmm. Eagles had the number 10 pick, and you put him with Jalen Hurts, with A.J. Brown, with Devontae Smith, and I just don't know what in the world you're supposed to do. And that offensive that line. Team. And that offensive line, right. But what I forgot was that the Falcons were there at eight with Arthur Smith, who has his job because of a gentleman named Derrick Henry, mm-hmm. okay? They go get that boy the ball like he Earl Campbell because don't nothing else <laughs> make sense. Like maybe this Desmond Ritter thing got something going that I was not able to see in the limited amount of time I chose to watch the Atlanta Falcons. But this guy, with Arthur Smith, they going to give him the ball so much, and he going to be so cold if they can block even a little bit. But good gracious, they going to stay. Like, the only reason they're not going to give him the ball is you can't do that when you lose the 21 to nothing. I mean, I don't get the rationale behind Atlanta making the pick, but I don't want to get into, like, the boring minutia. No, I, no, I gave it to you right there. Arthur yeah. Smith wants to run the ball a lot. Yeah, but that don't make no damn sense. (laughs) Like This is, uh, to me, the argument for getting Bijan is a team that is close to the championship. Yeah, you don't, you you can't build around a running back like it's 1990. Like, this is a team that's rebuilding. You don't build around a running back like that. You just can't rely on them to be healthy and whatever. All that aside, you can, I can understand the defense for drafting Bijan because the defense is, look at this tape. (laughs) I can't understand why Detroit went and got Jameer Gibbs, but they just was like, I think what happened was they wanted Bijan and they thought Bijan was going to be there. And it was like, damn, well, we'll we'll go ahead and get this Alabama running back who is something like it, but not quite. Because who did they trade back with? I don't even remember. Like I I have forgotten who they made the trade back with because I was for them. I was like, oh, boy. If Anthony Richardson sneaked down to them, whoo, baby, this could wind up being something, right? Because they wouldn't need to play him. And then the chance would come around because Jared Goff is passable. Like, if nothing else, I thought that would be what happened. But now the Falcons. Oh, they trade with the Cardinals. That's right, I think. Yeah, oh, the Cardinals, is, Cardinals are just out here making moves, baby. Yeah. Stacking up. I mean, look, the Cardinals get Cardinals go draft a whole new team <laughs> in the next two years um, on the strength of this. But the Eagles stayed at 10. And I was joking a little earlier about the Eagles trying to complete the set. At 10, they took Jalen Carter, who is believed by many people to be the best player in the draft. As those of you who are watching on YouTube could tell by the way that Dominique Fosburgh scratched up his uh, lip, uh, uh. <laughs> leaned back, and shook his head. And then get to the end of the first round, and they take Nolan Smith, the edge rusher from Georgia, after they had N'Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis last year from Georgia. I'm one of those people who think that he's the best player in the draft. And I, on my podcast with Charlie, Charlie proposed a scenario that um, Jalen Carter would drop to the Eagles. And I said, no bleeping way that the league let this happen again or Howie Roseman can get this lucky one more time. Let me explain to y'all something. Like, I don't need to explain it to you. Jalen Carter is like the number one power rankings guy 
like outside of positional value on like, I don't know if it was Mel or McShay, but a lot of people like this is the best player in the draft. I understand he had the driving situation. I understand that his pro day was, was weak, but they still got Fletcher Cox. They still got Reddick. They, I mean, they still got Jordan Davis. You're not supposed to be able to get him. I don't give a damn. It's not right. All right. I worry about the driving thing for Jalen Carter for a different reason than I've heard anybody say, which is, dude, are you okay? Yeah. You know, because apparently the pro day didn't go well, you know, and as much as we worry about the bad judgment, the bad judgment was there. The bad judgment was obvious, right? Mm -hmm. Dude, he was involved in an incident where people he knew died. Yeah. He is 21 years old. That is rough. Like, that was my Brandon Miller question in the NCAA tournament. Y'all all worried about this. I'm like, yo, dude, are you good? Like, are you straight? Because there's a lot that's going on here. The Eagles, at least on some level, believe that he is. And then Nolan Smith, who, without the pec injury, is probably getting drafted in a similar space and place. And I think he like one of them engineering majors or something like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe that was him or Dean. I can't remember which. But, oh, goodness. The Eagles look frightening. Did you see the picture that Mita posted of uh, Schwagu? After uh oh yeah, I saw and, it. And he just looked like oh, damn. that ain't fair, man. And like I think that's fair of you to bring up the idea is he okay? And don't nobody care about football players whether they okay or not because they are football players and it's like just go out there and break stuff, especially at that position. But yeah, the the fallout from all of that, the making poor decisions in your twenties, okay, it's something we do. Yeah, um, all of us, but. The, the fallout from it, I don't know. And I was, you know what, uh, it's not funny, but it made me laugh a little bit. What was kind of concerning that him and Roger already had a elaborate handshake. Yes. I was like, yes. you spending too much damn time with the commissioner. <laughs> if y'all got time to work out depths. Y'all got <laughs> to talk too much. Yeah, y'all, that is concerning to me. But I, I don't know. I think the, the Eagles locker room, the veteran leadership at that position, like Fletcher Cox is a reasonable comp. Like the career that Fletcher Cox has, it based on Fletcher Cox's build and ability, is like, hey, you guys could get something like that. So maybe I'm sure the Eagles are smart enough to try to to try to surround him with the people to get him in the right frame of mind. But sometimes there's some things you can't come back from. I know I've told you this story before. One of my teammates when I was in Denver got, or two of my teammates died. One of them was murdered and. Uh, it's just it's, it ain't it's, easy man yes yeah, you it ain't easy and you're like in this hyper masculine place and maybe the nfl has changed some here where it's just like you, you it's not something you can talk about nobody's there to talk about it don't nobody want to go talk to this team shrink because you don't trust that they gonna do the right thing and don't nobody want to go talk to the to a psychologist anyway like you're a 20 something year old man you're not like hey let me go talk through these feelings mm-hmm. you know so I don't know. But it's, it's a new it's generation of kids, luckily. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, they, they got a different attitude about this. So, you know, you hope on that. Yeah. I got, I got two picks I want to run by you that I found to be interesting for different reasons. One, uh, the dude, Dalton Kincaid, that went to Buffalo. And I feel like Buffalo is one of those places that has decided we're going to have at least one fan favorite in a past pattern. Like, like, we know what the people need. We know what the people want. And it's not just that they always got like, it's not just like some white dude playing tight end. It's always a dude playing tight end that you know damn well that's a white dude. Dawson Knox, yeah. Dalton Kincaid. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you don't need to take the helmet off. If it's cold out, he got sleeves on. Yes. You're good to go. Yes. You know, that boy's a beast, though. Yeah, I don't want to pretend like he's not. He ain't a blocker. 
but he is going to be a problem in the pass patterns. They're not going to be able to uh, guard him with safeties. Uh, well, we'll see. I mean, I, I think he's a special player. I'm surprised. Uh, I feel like they didn't come into the draft like, we're going to get this dude. I feel like they're like, ooh, like, are you it's, serious? Yeah, I think he could be a problem in, in that offense. And yeah, he's he going to be a fan favorite. Day uno. <laughs> <laughs> Stephon Diggs better get his mind right. Don't be out here acting up and acting bad. Stephon Diggs be pregame signing autographs, playing catch for little kids. He's a, <laughs> he do, and Stephon Diggs, no matter what you say, Stephon Diggs deserve more money than, than you can give him because pre-Stephon Diggs, we had an issue at the quarterback spot. Yes. Post-Stephon Diggs, you got a monster. He unlocked there. the monster. Like, he, he unlocked, unlocked the menace. The yeah, menace. He, <laughs> he unlocked the menace. The menace was in a cage, <laughs> banging on the walls, uh, occasionally doing something amazing, but not getting no progress. Stephon Diggs came in there like, why don't I just open this door, this man coverage door? Why don't I just open that up and see what happens? And then he got out. It was a terror. <laughs> you know, the other pick, you know, we talked about a little earlier, uh, Baltimore taking Zay Flowers. So... Did you get an offer from Boston College coming out of uh, high school? Uh-uh. Okay. Well, like, the reason I asked it was. Oh, yeah, I did, actually. Um, I'm sorry. I did. Yeah. Like, I, was... I, like, I imagine you got offers from that list, right? And that list, when I talk about it, especially from the East Coast, Boston College, Wake Forest, Duke, Duke, yep. uh, Georgia Tech, right? Yep. Where you got to have certain grades to get in. And so they typically wind up with kind of a different set of players. Like Boston yeah. College being a Jesuit school, that they get a lot of those kids that go to Jesuit schools. But like when you interview the players who went to Boston College, they typically sound a little bit different than the players in the rest of the ACC. They're just, they're just mining from a different pool. There's no shade to anybody, but you get mm-hmm. where I'm coming from on that, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was aware that this Zay Flowers young man went to Boston College. So I was like, oh, okay. I got an idea what's going on here. Dog, he walked out there for the draft, and I was mm-hmm. like, what part of Florida are you from, sir? <laughs> Boston College trying to win. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, and then I went and checked his offer list, and it was a couple of those. Like, Wake Forest was on there, but it was really a bunch of smaller schools because he himself was small. But no, that was not the dude that I was expecting. I want to know what his first week in Boston was like when he got up there like, man, what the hell this is? <laughs> hey, man, I need, hey, bro, I need a coat. It cold up here, bro. I don't know how they got him up there. Uh, I'm sure there's more to the story. But, yeah, no, I remember getting – that was the first tier. It was the first round of, of offers was Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, Duke, Boston College. And then I played my junior season. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to need y'all to stop calling my house. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not going there. No, they got your PSAT scores. Like, it's the same way all of us. Exactly. You get them letters off the PSAT mm-hmm, scores. They mm-hmm. put it in the database, give us everybody that's over this stuff. And they're like, all right, let us know who all district got this right here, and maybe we can start having some conversations about what was going on. But no, that was – and that's not to say that you can't look like Zay Flowers and be yeah. smart. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that is not the dude it's, that yeah. I thought was going to be and it's not even that door. It's not even about being smart as much as it's about the way that they present. Like Boston College, the type, I, I haven't looked it up, but they, one of them schools where I'm assuming that they got to wear suits on the road trips. Right. Like it's, it's just like, it's generally, it's not even about how smart the person is as much as it feels like the, the perception of the institution that they want to put out there. Combined with like, yeah, we uh, Georgia Tech specifically, Duke specifically, they like, yeah, I mean, 
Notre Dame falls in that category where there are some places where you're going to have to have good scores also, but you can be, you can have good scores, but if you got long dreads, they don't want you. They don't want you because they don't want to look like that because they understand back to the original thing. That's some rules going to have to change around this NFL. <laughs> if we, if we can't make sure that, uh, Joe Burrow turned into a superstar. <laughs> yeah, it's like, dude got a different situation. They're like, look, we got to do what we got to do, baby. Yeah. Like, 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 we can't be turning them down. We too close to Atlanta. Atlanta, Atlanta got quirks to yeah. the person that you're trying to get. Like, if I'm not mistaken, um, I think Duke offered Pac-Man Jones. Damn. Yes, and I have to say, I wish that would have happened. Good, <laughs> but he had the grades. Yeah, I like that's the thing. Pac Man stupid is a different kind of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like it's the unsafe stupid. Well, I mean, it, it, back to the Pac Man conversation. It is a great type of stupid for football, though. Yes, that <laughs> man was a hell of a football player. In yes. part because, like, I mean, thinking through decisions, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Pac Man got the Georgia Tech offer, by the way. Yeah, and people got to understand, man. Anytime they good at football, they have overcome the odds in ways that you can't possibly understand. I don't know what the football major is at Georgia Tech, but I'm here to tell you, it ain't even really a football major. Georgia Tech's a tough place. I I have a buddy who has a PhD in economics from the University of Michigan. That is a top 10 program. Mm -hmm. His cumulative GPA at Georgia Tech was a 2.5. And he still got a ride to go to Michigan. In economics, because that's how hard Georgia Tech is. Goodness gracious. And you know what makes Georgia Tech even harder? It is in Atlanta. It's in it's like it's all the way in Atlanta. It ain't like in the outskirts, like most like we say that University of Maryland is in DC. No, it's in College Park, Maryland. It's like a 20-minute ride from DC. You walk outside your dorm in Georgia Tech. Yeah, it's on 14th have, Street. Yeah, you have varsity. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, the other part is. For what most uh, dudes are into, you need to walk out of that dorm because Georgia Tech is a sausage party. Yeah. I went to a party at Georgia Tech one time. I was not going to do that twice. I went to school 10 minutes away from Georgia Tech and met one girl that went there ever. Not that she was the only girl there, but it's the only one that I met. It is not a fun place. Yeah, it does not seem like a fun place. <laughs> I don't know how they get anybody that has options to go there. Yeah, yeah, it's in especially Atlanta. When they you was, don't think about it. Yeah, especially when they was running the damn wing tee or whatever they was running. Yeah, but that <laughs> was the thing. They had to do that because they couldn't get nobody to go there. I gave them credit for that. They were like, look, man, we just got to we just gotta figure out how we go make this work because trying to do this these other ways, they ain't never going to win nothing. Like, they might as well go to the straight-up bone. And they figured out, they're like, look, we can win the conference like once every eight years. We have no chance of ever doing that otherwise. From time to time, we're going to go three and eight, but we're probably going to go three and eight at some point any other way. They need a sports major, man. You just go ahead and just go ahead and find you a little pipeline. It'll be better for everybody. It'll be better for the school. You get more money. You have more fans, more, more people who want to go there. Let's go ahead and find you a little pipeline. They've been know. trying. They've been trying so long and so hard to just figure out something like, you know, they figured out in basketball, Bobby Kremen's going to get them New York boys. They ain't really like when I was in college, they had a big thing in the newspaper. And this was the end of the Kremen's era, basically, which was they kept recording, recruiting these dudes who was flunking out. Yeah. It's you know, possible. Like the, the amount of effort, amount of time and effort and energy that you have to put in to sports uh, is probably like way above what a normal student puts into school. 
Yes. And then these guys also have to put in like some level of normal school stuff. But the amount of time and effort that you have to put in sports is what you got to put into to survive the Georgia Tech engineering program. Yeah. So you you so first you have to be born with crazy athleticism and also be crazy smart. Then you got to be able to <laughs> to um, have enough time to put in the football and to put into engineering. Yeah, it's a small it's a small little group that can play there and perform. Poor Calvin Johnson had to do all that studying and everything else just to not catch passes for Reggie Ball. <laughs> he caught some on me, monster. <laughs> That's right. I forgot you. I told you, you were, yeah. you're of that era. He was a freshman. I was a junior, I think, or I, I might have been a senior. And like I was, I was good. And I was like, hey, I'm wearing no freshman. He's like he big, hey, big mini can't run or whatever. We'll figure it out. Reggie Ball was throwing errant passes in his general vicinity, and he was climbing up. And I was like, I had a 42 inch vertical. At the combine, like, I could jump, but but uh, he had one too, except he was six five. <laughs> oh gosh, just climbing up and then landing on me. And I was like, damn, that hurt. Yeah, it's kind of impossible to explain to people like that dude's a wide receiver. Like, if you meet DK Calvin Metcalf. Johnson in person, except more agile, like DK Metcalf yes. can't really run routes. Calvin Johnson was running routes, Calvin jo- Johnson moved like a basketball player. Like how it seems weird that that a six five dude can handle the ball and cross over and whatever and step back. Yeah, that's Calvin Johnson. Uh, one of my agents played high school football with Calvin Johnson. No, he didn't. And he says that he uh talked like he would talk to Calvin about you know where you go and he went to Georgia Tech and he you know yeah I'm gonna be a you know I'm gonna be a scientist to do all of this. And my agent said he looked at him. Apparently he was an agent even then. He looked at him like, yeah, okay, buddy, you're <laughs> going to be playing NFL football. I'm gonna be a scientist. <laughs> Experiment all right on DBs. Well, no, see, the other thing though, I went to college with his sister. Yeah, I know. He, and she yeah. is a scientist. Yeah. Like, okay. like it, it was a reasonable presumption for him to make. Like they really drilled it to him properly. Academics are what matters, but nah, dog. Nah, it, was, nah. it was unreasonable once you saw him. <laughs> like, what's the square root of these touchdowns, dog? <laughs> <laughs> Man, his defensive insides and run like, yeah. Oh, did you hear that? Problem. Last thing I'm gonna say before we get out of here, uh, we had Nate Tyson on a Wednesday, and he mm-hmm. and I, I actually saw him put it online. He went to one of these sites that you put in a player's all their combine messages. Oh, my draft! Who the yeah. cop is, mm-hmm. and the cop for Anthony Richardson is Khalil Mack. Hall of Fame edge rusher, uh, future Hall of Fame edge rusher Khalil Mack. That's the cop. Oh, yeah, that ain't that ain't a comp, man. That ain't a quarterback. Dude, huh. And somebody asked me on Twitter, and they were just like, you know, I don't know if this matters, but Anthony Richardson in a dome, and I'm like, it doesn't not matter. Yeah, on turf, matter. that fast yeah. dude on turf. I just yeah. I come around to being really high on Anthony Richardson and I've seen his tape. It's not beautiful. I get that. But the idea that you want to be ahead of these curves or at least on the, the leading edge of it, it's like the, it seems obvious. If you look at Chicago might be the best example where the floor is for their offense is already so high because they got a super athlete at quarterback. And now maybe he won't develop into the fully rounded quarterback that you want him to be. But when you have like a traditional quarterback, there is no floor. There's no running floor to keep your team afloat and to keep your guy out there developing. And Anthony Richardson may never turn into something, 
but the risk is lower than I think people think it is. And the reward is much higher. So also, like, you go for try. it. You just got to yeah. try. Like yeah. I tell the story, um, some friends of mine, they have a child um, who's now like 14. He's in high school, but they knew when he was born, you know, they did all the growth play stuff. Like they mm -hmm. knew this boy probably going to turn out to be like in six, nine, six, 10 range. Yeah. And so at some point they decided they were going to get him into the, like the basketball, playing with the kids older and all of this. And, you know, I work in this business, so I'm skeptical of that. Like, it's just kind of, oh, I don't know if this is the right path or the way to go or whatever it is. But the argument was a strong one. We got to try. Mm -hmm. Like, we have, if he doesn't like it, whatever, we can go for it, you know, whatever it is. But we got a kid with the physical, spe like, it's, it's too much not to at least look yeah. into it based on the physics of the young man. And it's working out, like, as far as I can tell. Yeah, That's the same thing with Anthony Richardson. Yeah. Like you gotta give this a run. If it's right there in front of you, you 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 gotta you gotta see. You gotta give this a check on what it could be. Yeah, you really especially, do. Yeah, especially with Stike in there. I, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with that. But you're right; he's not gonna be able to sit out a year. Not with what they got there. He's gonna play. He might start week one, but he's gonna be starting real soon before. But I tell you up. this though: the way he talked, I would be surprised if right now he wasn't somewhere doing some cone drills with his feet mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Like, he sounds like he gets it. I told you, when he decided he was changing his number away from 15, yeah. that's where I was like, oh, okay, I got you. Austin Reeves still out there doing that AR-15 thing. You're like, I don't see what the big deal is. Uh, Anthony Richardson was like, yo, bad for the brand, baby. I'm now number seven. <laughs> yeah, he can't He can't afford to do that. <laughs> Even though AR-15 is a nickname, fits his big ass perfectly. Yeah, do. yeah. you remember Andre Karolinko? Yes, AK-47, yes. yeah. The number nobody's ever wanted. Uh-uh. <laughs> and, he, and he from the land yep. of the AK-47. Yes, it was, it was perfect. Uh, if it wasn't for the fact that he was playing in the American National Basketball League, where yes. these guns ain't nearly as amusing. <laughs> I mean, I don't imagine that that amusing in Russia either. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's a fair point, yeah. Good point. Never mind. <laughs> he just don't care. Yeah, I remember nope. that AK-47 or the Karolinko article where... I mean, I'm sure you remember it. It was like about how his wife gave him like one, yes. one, one sheet one a year. Yeah. Yes. I was like, I know a trap when I see one. <laughs> yeah, that ain't... Nah, man, if you, if that's what you want to do, go ahead and don't get married. But if, I mean, yeah. I guess I mind my business. Different strokes, different folks. Different strokes, different folks, but I never believe it. <laughs> never buy it. That's a setup. That's, that's a test that I'm going to pass. Don't you worry. I'm pass or I'm going to not take it for one or two. <laughs> I'm 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 a pass. I'm a pass. But that Dominique Foxworth, check him out on Get Up. Check him out on Anscape. Check him out um and debatable. And of course, check him out on the Dominique Foxworth show available wherever you get your podcast. I appreciate you, man. Oh, I appreciate you, bro. All right. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on the right time. Remember, hit the voicemail 860-516-4119. We're going to go with oldie but goodie this time. Tell us about that time the game's cheating. 860-516-4119. Cod, Parker Owens, the Dan Stancic, Helen, everything behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Remember, follow the right time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.